Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 7. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 7. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Habakkuk is surveying God's dealings with the nation. He knows that God is coming in judgment against Judah and that this is deserved. He knows also that the instrument of this judgment will be the Babylonians, referred to also as the Chaldeans, as we see in the previous verse here, verse 6. The Lord is going to use the idolatrous, unbelieving empire of Babylon to carry out his purposes regarding Judah. And this verse is describing the terror and the dread that the Babylonians will create in the hearts of the peoples whom they conquer. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. The word judgment there means Babylon's standard of justice. Dignity means their exalted status. So what Habakkuk is saying is that they make their own justice. Their judgment shall proceed of themselves. In other words, they do not look to the laws of the one true God to determine what is justice. Their judgment shall proceed of themselves. Their only code of conduct is what suits their own ends, and so they are their own lawmakers. Their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Yes, they enjoy great dignity. They are elevated over many other nations. And they think that this is entirely down to their own skills, their own endeavours. They are a law unto themselves. They are their own law makers. Is that not a description of this God-rejecting world in which we live today? They think that they can make their own laws in defiance of the law of God. And so we need to realise that the empire of Babylon exists very much today. It is this whole Christ-rejecting world system in which we live. Babylon is the world 
in the sense of all the forces opposed to Christ and his truth. So we can think today of spiritual Babylon. It's the whole liberal secular establishment out there trying to destroy our Christian civilization. And make no mistake, that is their goal. The pro-abortionists, the LGBT movement, the cultural Marxists generally, they want to destroy Christian civilization. And so this spiritual Babylon comprises all who refuse to repent of sin and believe in the one true Trinitarian God. And so it includes all false religion. And it includes all those who say there is no God. It comprises all who make themselves their own lawmakers. We now have a parliament which acts like that. They make laws with no reference to the law of God. They defy the authority of the God who created them. But it is different for the disciple of Jesus Christ. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And notice from this verse 7 that the world, Babylon, has a certain dignity. It is admired. People look up to it. And so the anti-Christian Babylon out there actually has created its own dignity which it thinks is superior to Christianity. They have this God before whom they bow down and worship. They call it equality. And in the name of equality, they promote all kinds of sin. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Now Babylon has great earthly power. We are told in verse 8, Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. And so Babylon had great military capabilities. 
possessing great forces of cavalry which moved with remarkable speed. They invade other lands with rapid and sudden force, uh, not unlike the blitzkrieg tactics of more modern times. They are likened here in this verse 8 to hungry, howling wolves or to a vicious bird of prey. Now, it is God who is raising up this fearsome nation to bring judgment upon Judah. You see, when a nation turns its back upon the one true God, it will, in God's providence, expose itself to all other kinds of negative forces which come in and fill the spiritual vacuum. And as Britain has departed from biblical Christianity, so this new religion, which we would give various names, but cultural Marxism will do as one of them, it, it, it has come in and filled the spiritual vacuum. So people actually think they are being virtuous when they say, oh, I support immoral lifestyles on the grounds of equality. They actually think they're being virtuous. And they actually think it's a good idea to go into primary schools and to encourage children to follow these immoral lifestyles. Babylon is targeting our children. I'm not likening all the liberal secularists to the Nazis, but the Nazis were so successful because they targeted the children, the Hitler Youth Movement, uh, for example. And now all the forces of the LGBT movement, they've got a strong foothold in the schools. And government bodies go to the homosexual organisations to get advice about how to teach children in the schools. And so they are going for the children. And in Uxbridge on Friday, we had this tragic incident of four 13-year-old girls coming up to us and defending immoral lifestyles and saying that they were partakers of those lifestyles themselves. Thirteen. They should be running around in the field skipping and enjoying life, not talking about these seedy, unwholesome subjects. We have to realise how devoted to their cause Babylon is. And if we as Bible-believing Christians are half-hearted, Babylon is just going to overrun us. 
We read further of Babylon in verse 9 here. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind. And they shall gather the captivity as the sand. Now, this is a description of what is going to happen to the nation of Judah because it has departed from the one true God. They are going to be exposed to all that Babylon can throw at her. The Babylonians will consume all in their path as a vicious east wind will will do so. They will gather up captives as if they were heaping up sand. You see, when a nation departs from God, they expose themselves to a far greater judgment in God's providence. People think that they are being liberated when they depart from God. But God is not mocked. Verse 10 further says of the Babylonians. And they shall scoff at the kings and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. And they shall deride every stronghold for they shall heap dust and take it. The Babylonians will be intimidated by no other rulers, no matter how eminent. They will heap dust, we are told in that 10th verse. That refers to their building of embankments against city walls in order to besiege them. And so they will besiege and capture every stronghold with relative ease. And Babylon today, spiritual Babylon today, is capturing all our strongholds. It's captured the universities. There is no free speech in modern British universities if you are of a socially conservative opinion. Far less if you are a Bible-believing Christian. Try and speak against abortion on a modern British campus. You will be taking your life in your hands. You see, the cultural Marxists have captured our strongholds. They captured universities, they captured the whole educational system, they captured government departments, and you know, in the main, they have also captured the churches. And so you have churches falling over themselves to accommodate the LGBT movement. Now we read in verse 11, Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing that his power is unto his God. 
The king of Babylon's conquests will cause his mind to flourish and grow in its pride. It says he shall pass over his conquered lands. But as he does that, he offends the holy God. He incurs great guilt in the sight of God because he is ascribing his victories to his false god. The Babylonians worshipped a deity called Bel. The Babylonians even made their own military might their god. And so verse 11 is saying that as the Babylonians pass over their conquered territories, they are offending Almighty God as they impute their power to their own false God. If the Babylonians fail to acknowledge the one true God of providence, the God who alone gives men victory in battle, then they offend the holy God. And so we have this reference in, in verse 11 to the Babylonian mind changing. That, that means they become consumed in their pride. They, they, they think that there's nothing that they cannot accomplish. But they do not realise that the God of Israel will one day bring them down as surely as he has raised them up. And we read in verse 12 here, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. The prophet is drawing strength from the fact that the God of Israel is invincible despite the great earthly power of the Babylonians. Yes, Judah is going to be severely corrected and chastised, and Babylon is the instrument. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. But the eternal, omnipotent God will protect the faithful remnant of his people. And so verse 12 is great encouragement in the midst of all the gloom regarding Babylonians, the Babylonians' power. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die. Here is great encouragement for true believers in Jesus Christ today. We live in the midst of spiritual Babylon. We live in the midst 
of an anti-Christian society. But we shall not die. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The Babylonians will exercise a horrible judgment upon our nation. We see this happening all around us. But the people of God, the small remnant of the faithful, remain safe. Whatever the world might do. Verse 13. This describes to us the character of our God. This verse 13, we we must really take this verse to heart. I mean, we must take all of Scripture to heart. But this verse is telling us about the character of God. And this is an aspect of God's character which so many have lost sight of, even professing Christians. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. God abhors sin. In fact, we are told in Psalm 5, and this will shock a lot of people, God hates the sinner. It's there in Psalm 5. So often our society is being presented with a false view of God. He loves you no matter what you do. He loves you just as you are. On the grounds of equality, he will never condemn you. That is what people are being told. That is what young people are being told. Follow whatever lifestyle takes your fancy. Follow whatever perversion takes your fancy. Because equality is all that matters. But God possesses an utter and absolute purity. He cannot look upon sin. He cannot countenance sin he can have no dealings with sin thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil he must punish all wickedness and so we see here that there is no doctrine to be found such as Jesus does not mind your sin. Jesus never judges anyone. Jesus only loves you. That is satanic error. The reality is that the holy God cannot look upon sin. And if we go to Luke 13 verse 3, and it's repeated again in Luke 13 verse 5, Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look upon iniquity. 
Now, Habakkuk asks a question as further on in verse 13. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously? Now Habakkuk knows that all that God does is right and perfect and just. Yet Habakkuk, although he's a saved person, he has the Holy Spirit, but he does not understand all things. He does not understand all aspects of the providence of God. Habakkuk, as a mere mortal, is perplexed why God does not immediately punish Babylon. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously? Why are you, Lord, allowing the Babylonians to come and ravage the land? The answer to Habakkuk's question is that the wickedness of Judah is so great that it is perfectly appropriate for the Lord to punish Judah through an instrument such as Babylon. Furthermore, God has blessed man with moral responsibility. In a certain sense, man does have free will so that he may and does abuse his responsibility. Men are free to go their own way and reject God. Also, God is long-suffering. He gives men opportunity to repent, and so he delays his judgments. And the wicked for a time, do prosper. Babylon, in modern Britain, is having a field day. It is prospering. And here is a a wake-up call to the churches. Start preaching my truth. Yes, Babylon is in the... Ascendancy right now. But we must not lose heart because God is never mocked. And this whole Christ rejecting world is merely storing up the wrath of God upon them. And so Habakkuk continues with his questions in verse 13. Wherefore holdest thou thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? Now, in one sense, Judah was more righteous than Babylon. It still had some faithful worshippers of the one true God. It had not been a devourer of other nations as the Babylonians were being. Now it is the case that these faithful ones in Judah will get caught up in the general judgment upon that nation. And we need to understand that. We live 
in a nation that is rebelling against God. God is coming in judgment against our nation. We are inevitably going to get caught up in that judgment. So the faithful, the faithful remnant, uh, will have to participate in God's providence in the general judgment that takes place. This always happens because God's people live in a fallen world under God's curse. Now, Judah herself had actually become like the Babylonians in that it had gone after false gods and had ignored God's laws. Judah should have been characterised by obedience to the Lord. But it had gone the way of the world. So within Habakkuk's generation, the nation was to pay the penalty. The evil empire of Babylon would be the instrument of God's wrath. And godless nations need to realise that today, that the Lord and his providence can bring all kinds of unwholesome forces against a nation. God can bring an enemy against a disobedient nation. Judah had made herself into a spiritual Babylon and so she would be chastised by the literal Babylon. However, Babylon itself would be brought down in God's perfect timing. The vital point for us is that Babylon is there, it's the enemy, it's the one who seems to be holding all the dignity and authority and power at the present time, but Babylon will be brought crashing down. And we must never forget that. Judah's destruction at the hands of the literal Babylonians is a picture of the fall of spiritual Babylon. This whole unbelieving world system all around us today. Remember, we said a moment ago that Judah had actually become like Babylon in all its false religion. So here in God's providence, we see the Lord using one group of sinners to bring judgment upon another group of sinners. And so he brought the Babylonians to bring judgment upon Judah. And so a nation today which defies the one true God may find itself coming under judgment at the hands of another God-rejecting group of people. And so this is the answer to Habakkuk's question in verse 13. Why, Lord, are the Babylonians being allowed to do these things to us? It is because Judah herself has become like Babylon. 
So this is a warning to all who defy the one true faith of Jesus Christ today. This proud world of unbelief will be judged, both in time and finally when our Lord returns. Babylon will be brought down. No one shall ever escape the justice of God, even if for the moment it appears that the world is acting with impunity. Now Habakkuk then is seeking to understand what's happening to his nation. And he continues to ask the Lord about how the Lord is working out his purposes. And so he asks this question in verse 14. And wherefore makest thou men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them? What Habakkuk is asking here in verse 14 is why are the Babylonians allowed to catch the nations? Just like catching fish caught in a net. The nations, including Judah, have no one to protect them from the great power of the Babylonians. Why is the Lord allowing this? Well, we've established the reason. It's because of all Judah's rebellion against him. And so we further read of Babylonian power in verse 15. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net. They gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. The great arrogance of the Babylonians. They rejoice over their spoil. They catch people uh, just as a fisherman catches fish, catch them with the angle. We speak of angling, don't we, to refer to people who are, are, are fishing. So the Babylonians come and capture nations, just as like men catch fish. Nevertheless, Babylonians, the power of the Babylonians will be short-lived. Uh, but for the time being, Habakkuk is perplexed at why the Lord is giving them so much power and success. And we often feel like Habakkuk. Why is this Christ-rejecting world so powerful? Why does it always appear to have the upper hand over us? Well, we need to remember what Habakkuk had to remember. And as the Lord will tell him in the next chapter, Babylon's glory will be short-lived. Babylon will be brought crashing down. Babylon is a very important biblical concept for us today. We need to understand it. Our enemy today is Babylon. It's this whole Christ-rejecting world system. The establishment out there, people in government, people in 
education, people in social services. They are all now opposed to Christian truth, generally speaking. They are Babylon. They're trying to destroy our Christian foundations. They're trying to remove our Bible-based laws. They're trying to destroy the family unit. They're trying to destroy the most basic distinction of God's creation, the difference between a man and a woman. They're trying to destroy something as fundamental as that. And they're targeting the children to accomplish their ends. So that is why we, as Bible-believing Christians, must go on the counter-attack against Babylon. Babylon is the world in opposition to the people of God. Where back in ancient history did rebellious men build a great high tower to worship false gods and defy God? They built the tower at a place called Babel. It's the same word as Babylon. Even in the book of Genesis, we find Babylon symbolising human solidarity in rebellion against God. You know, when the nations of the world come together, it's not something we should welcome. It's in rebellion against God. There's nothing Christian about the United Nations. You see, our goal is not human solidarity. Our goal is not all the nations of the world coming together. At Babel, God actually formed the people into separate nations because their coming together was a rebellion against him. It was from the geographical region of Babylonia which Abraham left to follow God. He left the idolatry of that region to go to a new land for God's people. So the very origins of the nation of Israel, the people of God, are to be found in leaving Babylon. Furthermore, centuries later, when God decided that Judah, because of her sin, should be expelled from the land flowing with milk and honey, which he had given to them, where did he send them? He sent them to Babylon, the place from which Abraham had come out. What irony, what poetic justice. When they came to their senses and came back to the promised land, where did they leave? They left Babylon. And so Babylon is this 
vital biblical symbol. The Christian gospel is a call to leave Babylon. Revelation 17 verse 3. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-coloured beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colour, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations, and upon her forehead a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of the harlots. Revelation 17:6. I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. The great persecuting power of the Apostle John's day, the Roman Empire, was being referred to there in Revelation 17. Rome was a Babylon because it was persecuting the people of God. Babylon today persecutes the true church. She is like a seducing woman. That's why she is called the mother of harlots. The world of unbelief all around us is seductive. It sounds quite harmless, does it not? Oh, we believe in equality. But all those people out there who oppose biblical truth on the grounds of equality belong to Babylon. Babylon is the enemy. Our task as Christians is to call sinners out of Babylon before Babylon is destroyed. Amen.